Welcome back to Zero K, where we are the flawless talking about the lawless. I'm Holly. And I'm Rebecca. And today's episode is all about mass murders. So will we get started? Yeah. So I have the definition of a mass murder. Okay. Like the actual full definition. Go for it. And it is the act of murdering a number of people, typically simultaneously or over a relatively short period of time and in close proximity. So it has to be all at once or like within a day or two Mm. and in the same area. That probably distinguishes them between a mass murder and a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. And a mass murder has to be three or more people. Whereas a serial killer has to be two. Oh. Mm -hmm. I thought a mass murder would have been more than three. Yeah, so did I. And they usually, this this shocked me because I didn't expect this, but they usually kill people they know. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, all the mass murders you would hear of is, like, shootings or, like, random bombings and that sort of stuff where they don't know the people. But statistically, they actually kill people familiar to them, like neighbours, co-workers. I would not have thought that. I would have thought it was just random, like, just mass gatherings of people they would have targeted. Yeah, so did I. I was really shocked when I read that. But it actually says that when they kill family members, it's actually called fabulicide. Okay. Yeah, that's like the word for it. And it's the most common form of mass murder. That's crazy. Killing your own family. Taking them all out. And you, I suppose you can do that in close proximity and stuff. Ah, uh, you would be able to. Yeah, you probably live for with you. <laughs> you can get all that done. Um, And it says that in many cases, the murderer actually usually dies within the event, either through suicide or law enforcement. I like suicide, like a suicide bomber would. Yeah. Or the police get them. Mm. And this, I read this and honestly I was like, uh, like it's horrible. But we're six months in the 2023. Mm-hmm. Like six months. Just in the six months, yeah. And in America, there has been over 200 mass shootings already. 200. Where 13,900 people have died. 13,000. Oh my God. We're six months into the year. Oh my goodness. But yeah. That's awful. Isn't it's it? awful. I read that and I hated it. I was like, nope, nope, nope. That's awful. Uh, it's not nice at all. Is your story today focused on mass shootings or? Actually not. Okay. Well, you go ahead with yours first because I think okay, mine will be a bit of a, a, a dark alley. <laughs> uh, so mine's actually a fire. Right. Okay. And it's, there's a lot of information to it, but it's a fire that took part place on Denmark Place Mm -hmm. in London it's a street in London and it was on the 16th of August 1980 so 43 years ago actually relatively recent oh yeah and 37 people died in this fire but there was 150 there when it was happening Mm -hmm. and so most of the people that died were of Spanish or Latin American and 18 Denmark Place was the place in London and it held two unlicensed bars inside it. Right, okay. There was the Spanish Rooms, which was a late night bar, which was visited by like many Irish or Jamaican people, you know, just coming for some drinks, having some fun, having some drinks. Some good vibes. And then there was others that was Rudo's, also known as El Dandy, which was a salsa club mainly for like South American immigrants. Mm-hmm. So these people were coming there to be with like people like, like them, where they felt safe. Yeah. But they were fun. unlicensed bars, the bars. No, none of the public knew about the bars. Like, it was very low-key. Right, okay. They were hit between the hidden. room of ones that came. Yeah, so the outside of the building was boarded up 
no one knew that was inside this building if you were just a random person walking by the windows were boarded the doors were locked at all times like to get actually get into the bars you had to shout from the street below and then someone would come and give you a key let you in and then take the key and then the door would be immediately locked so when you're in these bars you're locked in oh right like you can't get out unless you go and ask someone to let you out because it had to be kept so private because they were unlicensed mm-hmm. um and there was like two floors there's a landing which had one of the floors and then there was like a ground floor where you had to access through a boarded up fire escape to get into the other one so that's how you got into them and police were aware of the bars and they had made it known that they were going to come and shut down the bars on the 18th of august so this is the 16th of august and they were like we're gonna throw a big farewell weekend at our bars for all of our people just to come and have some drinks you know say goodbye to the place Mm -hmm. been a fun ride so john thompson a 42 year old scottish man comes to the bar have some drinks you know joining in on the fun and he was a petty criminal. People knew of him. But he was just having some drinks. No one thought anything of it. And a barman came, gave him his drink, and told him how much it was, took his money. And John Thompson went, you've overcharged me. And the barman was like, no, I didn't. That's our prices. Like, you can go see. That's how much we pay. And he's like, no, I'm not paying that. You've overcharged me for that drink. I want my money back. And a fight broke out between the barman and John Thompson which ended up with John getting removed from the bar. And he was fuming. Now, John was probably a bit drunk too, but he was, oh, get him out. He was fuming. He was like, I will go back in there. I want to go. John, I indeed. Um, So he was outside and he healed a taxi. But as he was healing this taxi, he saw this big empty container on the street. And he was like, hmm, life all moment of what he could do with that empty container. So he grabbed that empty container, got into this taxi, got this taxi man to drive him to a 24-hour petrol station where he then took the container, filled it up with petrol. What size is in the container? Must have been a big container. I was thinking, because I think it was going to be huge. He was going to throw it, like, and, you know, try and, like, smash into the pub or something. Mm. But then if it's if it's fitting in a taxi, it must be small enough. Yeah. Okay, so it can fit in the backseat of a taxi. Okay. How big do you think the container was just lugging it around the street? I was thinking like an oil tank size. He was just going to throw out the door and burst back in or something. I don't know why that size of container would be on the street anyway, but it's 1980. You, you know, think it's like a little container. Like a wee, a wee jerry can. Yeah. So he went and he filled it up with petrol at this 24 petrol station. Jumped back in his taxi, got dropped off at the same place. Walked right up to the bar. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What is the taxi man doing? If some boy was in your car, <laughs> a tub of petrol, and it hasn't got a lit, like... Yeah. You you would think alarm bell. I'm thinking, like, buddy, what are you doing with that? You're not going to cut your lawn or anything? Like, you know, what are you doing? Maybe, like... I don't, this is what annoys me about every single one of these stories. There's people that should have known better. Yeah. Do better. Do, Do better. better. Right, okay. Buy this. So, like, taxi man. And it's, maybe he's getting paid a lot. Maybe he's giving a little tip. Turn a blind eye to the reek of petrol coming from the back of the car. Got annoyed about it. around. An overcharged drink. <laughs> and it'll pay whatever for a taxi to drop him off of petrol. 
<laughs> so he walked up to the door and he knew he couldn't get in because he was kicked out and permanently locked. Mm-hmm. So he opened the letterbox of the door and poured the petrol in through his letterbox. Right. So I'm assuming it must have had like a little, what you call that? Like a little, a little spout. Yeah, spout. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it must have had one of them in the containers. So he poured the petrol through the letterbox and then lit a little piece of paper and pushed the piece of paper through and went on about his day. That was it. And I thought he would have sort of ruined the building. No. I thought he would have like targeted like different aspects so the, f- the fire would spread. Well, the building was made out of timber. Oh. So the fire oh, bueno. spread immediately. Like, immediately. Um, there was 150 people inside. And the building was boarded up. There was no way out of this building unless someone was to let you out of this building. Which would be through the door that he poured petrol through. Yeah. Right, okay. So everyone was trapped. And it spread, like, when I say quickly, like, quickly, like, gone within minutes. And people tried to run to the back door that was there, but it was permanently locked. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no way out of the back door. People were trying to break through the boarded windows, but, like, no one really could. A few people managed to break through tiny windows upstairs and managed to jump from, like, the upstairs and land on the street and just run for their life. But um, six people were actually rescued from a little security area at the back where they managed to get through a boarded window, but then there were security gates that they couldn't get any further. And that's where a fireman found six people. The firemen were called at 3.30 a.m., and when they arrived, even though these windows were fully boarded up, they could see smoke, but they didn't know how bad it was going to be. To the point that when it took them four whole minutes to board down the door to get the door open because of the fire. And when they actually got it down, they were hit by all the flames and the embers so much so that they actually had to stop trying to go in for a while because they couldn't get past the flames at the door. Oh my goodness. And when they managed to get in, the staircase was just... It was basically gone. Like it was just. How, how did the windows and all not go up in flames? If they're all wooden, like how did it not? Maybe they did, but there was just no. Suppose if it's on flames, you can't really jump out of them. Yeah, that's true. And if it. Maybe it's different types of wood. Maybe it wasn't as. Maybe it's thicker. Because they were obviously reinforced. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's got to do with it. That's a good point. But an officer from the London Bridge actually, and I quote, said. People died on the spot without having time to move an inch. Like some were slumped over their tables. Some were behind the bar and still had the drinks in their hand. So they'd just fallen on the spot where they were. But they were not, were they not burnt alive then? Yeah. Like, oh my. It's immediately. See, firefighters, they did an incredible job. It's, he also goes on and say, and he says, as we walked up the stairs... When we went into one of the rooms, it looked as if the bodies were dominoes and had just fallen onto each other in the positions that they were at because they were looked like they'd been frozen and just fallen. I must have went through that place really fast. It must like it, people didn't even be able to move. People didn't have time to realise what was going on. And the smoke must have just caught them too first and then they just the fire then got them after. It was it sounded insane because at the time it was actually called the worst mass murder. In British history, which yeah, you could tell because that is being cruel. The fact that someone would go and do that, and that was August 
1980. And it wasn't until May 1981, eight whole months after it happened, that John Thompson was actually convicted for the mass murder. And he was convicted on a specimen charge, which I didn't know what it was. But specimen charges are basically a way to simplify a repeated conviction. So instead of him being charged with like 37 counts of murder, it was like you're charged with one, but then all the others are like added on mm-hmm. just to save so time. So what did he get? So he got a lifetime sentence. Which we should. He got life. And then he was in prison. You know, he was living out his life sentence. And I thought this was very poetic in a way, you know, full circle. He died of lung cancer on the 16th of August 2008 28 years to the day that he died murdered 37 people Five. that is that right it does deserve a right probably suffered a lot and he should have he should have suffered quite a bit but when I was reading about it like I was shocked that I hadn't heard something about it mm-hmm. or anything and I was Googling and Googling trying to find more information on it. And there was a lot of recent articles talking about why you haven't heard about it. And it's because the coverage at the time was basically non-existent. People heard that there was a fire. People heard people died. But when they found out those people were immigrants. Yeah, they weren't interested. There was nothing about it. So much so, there was no formal inquiry into anything about the buildings, anything about the clubs, anything about the place, the fire, nothing. And families of the people that died were just told that they died in a fire. They knew none of the circumstances surrounding this fire because no one cared because they were immigrants. You know, I thought that would be the case. I thought that would be why there was some media coverage of it. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like, it's absolutely disgusting. Like, it's a tragedy. It quite literally is. Yeah, which you would think would be acknowledged more. Because 37 people died. There was 150 people in there. And this man got pissed that he didn't have, that he was charged too much for a drink. But then how, how did he go about covering his court, like his court case and all? I think it was acknowledged that he started the fire. But it wasn't like, no information. The victims weren't acknowledged. The victims weren't acknowledged. It wasn't actually until 2022 when an entertainment venue opened up in that place mm-hmm. the first thing that's opened up in there since the murders happened mm-hmm. and they put a plaque on the wall they put a plaque on the wall and that's the only acknowledgement there has ever been for those 37 victims and families of the victims have said that they're relieved that there's a plaque on the wall and they're grateful for that but like a plaque on the wall 42 years after it happened oh yeah they wanted something else done yeah like there should have been way more there should have been more coverage there should have been much more of an uproar there should have been something. Those families deserved so much more because that is horrible. Yeah, the system failed them big time. I hated it. I got so annoyed reading it. I hated it so much. Yeah. And it, it shocked me how many mass murder fires there actually was when I was reading it because like when I was reading this one and then led me on to another one and then led me on to another one. Because it's such a horrible way to die. Like I often think about this, like fire or drowning, that must be a horrible way to die. Because it's not instant. It's not, it's not a shit and it's not like one bullet and that's it it's a con it's a you although that fire spread fast then people would have just wouldn't have just like died like that yeah like went through a lot of pain there would have been suffering oh yeah there was a lot of suffering there that's horrible no it it just it made me ugh, i hated it 
because Ali's right, like shooting sure. But Must how did be. he even get let in? I think they was Scottish. He was Scottish. Like, they probably let other people in. Yeah. Well, maybe he was quite regular at. Yeah. Maybe he knew the people that was already in there and stuff. Because it looked like he was just coming to say goodbye to the place, the way everyone was. And then he got, he literally got annoyed on a night out and ended up murdering 37 people. And he probably thought he could get away with it because they were immigrants. He probably thought in his head, oh, nobody will care. And how wasn't there any witnesses that come forward? Exactly. That would have seen him do this. I don't know. They would have thought that. The taxi driver. Yeah, the taxi man. They would have seen him get out back. Why would he suddenly arrive back at a building? Obviously, he didn't know it was a bar, but... Well, you know, I said people had their suspicion. But yeah, if the people knew. Arriving back at this place with a tub of petrol. You would have some sort of suspicion. He'd be kicking himself so good. If, yeah. Well, I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. Mine doesn't get much, but... Oh, lovely. So, mine is based in 1892. Oh, okay. On a man called Sylvester Matuska. So this is Future Holly just popping in to give you a full definition on the paraphilia that this story is based on because I kind of got ahead of myself and didn't give you a full definition in the episode. So the story is based on symphoraphilia, which is a sexual interest in arousal derived from stage managing the occurrence of a disaster and then watching it. So we're going to hop back now to how Rebecca reacts. No way is that a thing. It is. No way. It's what it's called. Just keep that in mind because it... No. We'll circle back to this. No. So let's get started on Sylvester. So Sylvester was born in 1892 and he became a mechanical engineer. Um, But Sylvester said when he was a teenager, he went to the circus. To the circus, Sylvester went and he was hypnotised. Okay. So he says when he was hypnotised, it really messed up his head, like big time. And entered to the chat, Leo. So Leo was a spirit living in Sylvester's head. Oh, okay. Because of this hypnosis. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, he was living in his head. That was fine. So Sylvester just kind of blocked him out. What about his life? Uh, the World War One came, mm-hmm. and he um be- became an explosive engineer in World War One. Right? Okay. Um, after the war was ended, he went into the mining industry, and in the mining industry, he also handled explosives. Okay. He loves an explosive. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. As in then, he doesn't need. So Sylvester then moved to Vienna. And he met a lady, he married her, and they had a daughter. So, okay. you know, Leo's been blocked out. The trauma passed. You know, he's you know he's doing well. He's in the arm. He was in the war, and he's now mining. You know, he's got his job, his family at home. He's steady. Uh-huh. So 1930 came, and it was Christmas. Okay. And for Christmas, he bought his daughter a train set, which Sylvester, like, became obsessed with like he loved this train set he was playing with it and he was playing with these trains and then he thought you know really obsessed with the idea of these trains exploding and crashing into each other so he's playing with the toys and he 
is like making these trains crash into each other. He's making them blow up. But then with his daughter, yeah, his his daughter's toys, yeah. So she's so she's probably there, and he's like, oh, he's like, boom. Um, so um, well, Leo decided this wasn't enough for him. The toys weren't enough. He he wanted to see a real train explode. So on Christmas night. Sylvester decided that he would, after Christmas dinner was done, you know, the drill, let their jelly, blah, blah, blah. Um, he took himself down to the local train track, and which he went to the train track and he loosened the bolts in the track. He was like, ha So he ran off and he hid and he was waiting for the train to come. On Christmas Day! On Christmas night, yes. Isn't it? Um, he was waiting for the train. So the train comes, but nothing happens. The train just goes over the top of the track. So Leo is fuming. He is not one bit happy about this. He is annoyed. So Leo was like, we can't stop here. We need to keep going. Because this is what Leo was telling Sylvester, you know, in his head. So January 1931, Sylvester goes to like a scrapyard nearby and basically gets a piece of metal that would resemble like, you know, the size and all of the train track. He brings it back to a train track and puts it over the top of it to create an obstacle in the train track. So he hides and he waits again, patiently waiting this train. So the train comes, but the driver, the train conductor sees the blockage. So he stops the train. And so he's not blind. Yeah. So he stops the train. I'm Sylvester. Well, Leo, essentially, because it was never Sylvester, it was all Leo's idea. Uh, Leo is fuming. So Sylvester's like, right. We'll use, you know, we'll use this permit I have to get an explosives because he, don't forget, he works in the mine industry. Oh, yeah. So he handles explosives there. So he has a permit to get explosives. So that's just like light bulb moment for him. So he goes and gets explosives and he loads up suitcases with these explosives, right? And he moves towards this, is it, he moves away from home to Germany at the time, right? So he's, he's moving for this mission. Um, for the Berlin Express train, which he's targeting. It's very, he had a plan. Like, very yeah, he's, go, he's going for a bigger train this time. They were just wee local trains, you know, but he's going for a big one this time. Oh. He's going for the Berlin Express. So he puts the suitcases on the train and then he runs and he hides again, right? He loves hiding. Yep. He he runs and hides because he doesn't want to see him. But, you know, he wants to see it happen from afar. Of course he does. So he waits and the train is basically blown then off the track because he knows it's going to happen. So it's blown off the track and um, when it's blown up, the police arrive, you know, and it said that there was, like, Nazi propaganda found at the scene and stuff. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's what people said. People don't know if Sylvester really left there to throw him off the track. Other people saying... Sylvester gets such a kick out of this that he wouldn't have thought that much. That much has been a coincidence. No, there. seems very focused on just blowing the train up yeah. in whatever way possible. So, but just because of the time and what was going on about yeah. communists and Nazi and all the rest of it, that he, that was just there. So that's what they find at the scene. But that was basically the end of that. So then September came around and his new target was the VN Express. Oh, he didn't have enough. Oh, no, he didn't stop there. I thought he went third time lucky, had enough, okay, got the fun, moved on. He wanted, he wanted more this time. So the VN Express 
and he targeted it as well, put the explosives on it, and he, it blew up on a bridge. And so the bridge obviously then fell, and neither the train cars fell to the ground, plummeted to the ground beneath it. And in this, 22 people died immediately, and a further 120 were injured. Oh, that's a lot of people. But do we just take you back to the word I told you at the start? Oh, no. Symphorophilia. The, the rise all over. I can't believe that's a thing. So as soon as this happened, and Sylvester was watching this. No. Yes. He had an orgasm in his pants straight away. No. Yes. Watching a train. No. Holly, no. Yeah. This is what happens. So no way, that's a pain. So he's in the process of this. It is so bad. It's actually so bad. And he runs tor- towards the wreckage. Obviously, you can imagine, like, the emotions and everything that's going on right now. <laughs> the people not with him. <laughs> with the people who are injured. No, the 120 that are injured and needing severe medical assistance right in this moment. He's running towards it and he is happy that he is so buzzing. He's like screaming and, you know, just so excited. And he decides that he will just give the police an statement then there. And the police actually, you know, obviously ask him like who he is and all. And he says he's a surviving passenger. And he says, they were like, oh, what train car were you in? So they can obviously check out the details, blah, 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 say he survived, whatever. And he's like, oh, train car eight. But train car eight was one of the ones that plummeted. No. So he hasn't got a solid plan, so he hasn't. He just wanted to get in on it all. He just wanted to be centre of attention there. But what the police do note down at the time was that (laughs) Tavester seemed very happy. They note this down. They note down how happy he was in this moment. So they thought that was a really weird, all this here. That first of all, he said he's coming from the car that's like way down. Uh, and he's also just absolutely ecstatic <laughs> in this moment. Like, so We go back to people like, should have seen the signs. You should have yeah, seen the signs. Do on. better. Yeah, just do better. Like if someone's coming to you after a horrible, horrible disaster happens. And they're buzzing. They're buzzing I don't know. Maybe just arrest them on the spot. Like, yeah. Or question it to their yeah. faith. Yep. So, no, the police are fine. They've just... So, when Sylvester had his orgasm, when the train plummeted and exploded, he he said that he had to take his pants off. So he took his boxers off because he was, quote-unquote, uncomfortable. But he was still there. Oh, yeah, 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 this is the thing. So he takes his boxers off that he's orgasmed in and he just leaves them near the scene. Why would you leave them? Now, obviously, DNA and testing all back then wasn't great, but the police found these, as you would, and they connect them. So they realise that, oh, this is... Why that man was so yeah, happy. This is Sylvester's pants and... They put two and two together and they worked out it's him. Now, they still didn't do anything at this time. So the Austrian government 
was actually arrested and executed two men that were nowhere near the scene at all. But it's because they were communists. Oh, so the yeah. Austrian government said, well, you know what? We need to give people peace of mind. So they just automatically arrested these two communists. Chose two easy t- t- targets and yep, nipped the blame. Executed them straight away. So Sylvester's so still out there. He's had good times. In his books, it's absolutely awful. Oh, he's loving life. He has. So, October 10th, 1931. So, the month, you know, that happens in September. This is the next month. And Sylvester has been arrested. Um, but, do you want to know why Sylvester was arrested? Mm, I'm not sure I do, but go on. Sylvester was arrested because he tried to get compensation for his injuries in the... Vienna Express tr- crash. So the the train was paying out people for being in the accident and all. And he tried to get compensation. Which is why the police clocked onto it and thought, that's a bit funny. Was this fella not the guy who he was buzzing? His underpants were left at the scene. And he said he was in a car that failed. That, that, you know. So this man done all this. And then was like, pay me. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nah. He was not being discreet. No. Like, he was very much making sure he was present and remaining. It makes you think, like, did he want to be caught? He probably enjoyed getting more attention. Yeah, he was like, oh, here we go again. I don't know. But anyway, he... Maybe it's from the Hungarian railways is what he tried to get compensation from. And as soon as he's arrested, he just confesses. He's like, yeah, it was me. Surprise. Do you reckon that? got them all oh must have. like reliving that moment over and over again so, so that's so why it's a big moment for him yeah so he was happy to talk about it so as they asked him he was like that was me that's my band that was me that was all me straight away but they don't believe him <laughs> they don't believe him why do they not believe him well because he says it wasn't him it was leo because leo voices in my head leo the voice in the head is back and so they spent this whole time in court trying... We, do we know if Leo... Is that legit? Or did he just make Leo up? Well, he said he's had Leo since he was a teenager and that sort of since he got Okay, okay. So, I mean, they they did bring a psychiatrist. Oh, okay. A psychologist, sorry. Um, into the court to try and get, you know, the real reason to look at him. But they, they couldn't... They couldn't get anything else out of him. That's what he was saying. It was Leo. He, so not when they yeah. Blamed it on Leo and then just didn't speak. Yeah, he just he just kept telling them, like, I don't know what you want me to say. This this is Leo. This is this is me. You done it. I done it because of Leo. Like, he was telling them this, but they were refusing to believe it because it was so absurd that someone would do this. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he tells the court, like, he'll he'll bring Leo to the court. Like, he, he's bringing Leo. Like, he's like, it's all, he's like, here. Speak to Leo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm Leo. Like, that's what he was. He was just, he was like, cap on, cap off. <laughs> he was like, spins around. He's like, I'm Leo. <laughs> One of those, like, performers are like, <laughs> he's like, this dad is Sylvester, this dad is Leo. Sylvester, Leo, <laughs> Leo. Which one are you going to get? Who knows? Yeah. So that's what he did. Um, um, he was convicted then in Austria. For non-legal crashes, he was given six years in 
prison, you know, mm-hmm. conviction. And then he was extradited to Hungary for the biggest, that there, the Vienna Express train crash. So he was done for like the ones, the Berlin Express and them other pity ones he tried to do. So he confessed to them or did they? Oh yeah, he's yeah. supposed to told him. But that's what he got done for them there. Then for the big one where he, the Hungarian railway, he got guilty and he was not executed, but he was sentenced to life. Okay. So he was in a Hungarian prison. Right. No. Doesn't stop there for Leo. In fact, it actually only gets better for Leo. Not Leo, sorry. Well, technically Leo, because Leo's on the ride too, but Sylvester, (laughs) the main man, doesn't, you know, doesn't get any worse there because 1944 came around. So that was 1931. He was, so what, 13 years later comes around. And that's World War Two, And he's in the North Hungary prison at this point. And they they needed volunteers to fight. So they were so desperate volunteers, they went to the prison and recruited from the prison. You're joking. And who stuck up his hand? Of course Sylvester did. And he was a catch because he had all the training with explosives in the previous war. Ooh, why he's in prison? But of course they're like, you my friend, you're coming home with me. No. And he, they took him. They took him. And he was probably loving life. Oh, yeah. So um, he would... And you know what he volunteered to do? Trains? <laughs> he volunteered for the demolition part. Oh. Demolished. Like, he, he, yeah. And I love demolition things. So he got that there. But then... So he was in the demo- demolition squad. Yeah, he just is. And he's never seen again. What? Yeah. Talk about taking a turn. That's the end of the story. He didn't... Does it vanish? He then misses. He's gone. No. Sylvester has peace out. Peace and pipe. So people were there's loads of people saying different things. People were, oh, I'm Danny. Sure. I was an, always an undercover Nazi, and other people were saying like he's you know they've seen him back in like Austria. He's just changed his name, and other people say like no, he's away on the other side of the world and. I feel like he's gone somewhere. I think he's gone. He can get off on demolishing things mm-hmm. privately. Maybe Leo has calmed down and didn't like prison and was like, we don't need to kill any more people, but we can do it privately. Yeah. Like That's what I feel. The, the toy dreams. <laughs> Maybe not kids' toys. Maybe not kids' toys. So yeah, that's a bit. Yeah. Well, anyway... I can't so believe it vanished. I know. I was really, I really thought he was gonna be stuck in prison. And yeah, like when I thought, oh right, it's gonna take a turn. It's gonna be him in prison, and then he's like, you know, he's gonna do something else and kill someone else. Yeah, or something like that. But no, he quite literally got given the opportunity to leave, and he took it. And like, I mean, this is like what nineteen forty something. So. You know, obviously they don't have, like, tags on them, but surely they would have kept an eye. You would have think they would have been put in a group together mm-hmm. and, like, sent back after they'd done their job or if they died and, yeah. you know, whatever. So it revived. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought it was just free range. Just, like, set the tools on. What like, did he say? He's going to the bathroom run out the window? Yeah. Like, is that, like, how does... Mm, no. He killed so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was a roller coaster. That was... I thought he, thought he was going to stop after the first one, and then he just, it got worse. No, he kept going. He got worse. How about that? He first three. He only got six years for that. Yeah. 
then he got he got sentenced to life the the big one, but six years for that, like he. You would think it should be longer, one hundred percent. You think like at least ten years, at least, or just life for them? Yeah, oh, like I, I don't really get this whole like six years move and then another. Maybe it's because the way things were at the time, in terms of like because they happened in different places, and obviously with the World War and all going on, there was like different. Like you can't put him in this prison because he's, you know, what I mean, like that happened in Hungary, so he needs to be moved to Hungarian prison. That's probably and he's been in Austrian prison, that sort of idea. So that's probably why, but. I can't believe he left his boxers. He had no shame. It, he wanted to be caught. He wanted to be able to tell that story. He must have. It's so sick. It's so twisted. Because that was all began with his daughter's toys. Uh, Can we just like bring it back to that for a moment? This all began with his daughter's toys, which is so twisted. So what did she accidentally bump the trains together? And he was like, oh, I, I liked that. And then took the toys and done it. I don't know. Because so that's video. messed up. He's a messed up man. But this term only, re- like, it was only not recently coined, but it was, like, a good bit after it happened that it was coined this term. I That's why you had some for Ophelia. I didn't know that was a thing. New word, unlocked. Yeah, that's horrible. Daily Absolutely horrible. Like, uh, well, and even loading the suitcases onto the train and not getting on the train yourself. Yeah, that that was, like, thought out. Like, seeing them days, like, was there not people who stood there at the side of the train and been, like... You know, all aboard, takes your bags, put the bags in for you, and you yeah. go, I mean, like, what, in all the movies. what were they thinking? Just, just, oh, you do want oh, to take your bags. 10 heavy suitcases. There should Look be the- checks. Like, just put them through a little machine or something. You know, in airports. Mm-hmm. But they still don't do it now with trains. Really? That's actually very true. And he could be putting anything on. There could be another one of him. Mm. I don't know what the moral of the story is here. Like, do you better. The circus. Do better. Don't be hypnotized. Don't be hypnotized. Yep, do better. So uh, stay safe, everyone. You never know who's, who's watching. watching. Bye. Bye.